Amen. So Isaiah chapter number 26, this is a reference I was just reading in my daily uh, readings the other day, and this passage just stood out to me because, you know, we're, till, we're dealing with prophetic and end times kind of things. When you deal with end times kind of things, sometimes people, sometimes people use the title called apocalyptic, right? That's Jesus and the apocalypse, right? The revelation of all things, the coming of the end. But in the uh, apocalyptic things, one of the things that we've taught on before is the the rapture, pre-tribulation rapture. That's what we believe. Um, some people believe a post-tribulation, pre-rapture. Some people don't believe in anything. You know, they don't know what they believe in, and that's okay. Um, it's not make or break on your salvation. <clears throat> okay. Um, but... One of the things that we want to do is throughout our teachings, um, you know, show these things. And we've talked about the pre-tribulation rapture before. I think we spent two weeks on it, um, but we're going to get into it a little bit more in the coming weeks. But I just wanted to show you this passage in verse number 20. This is a, a, this is a, um, a foreshadowing, and you can see God's heart. Because one of the things that I told you last week is that whenever God pours out his judgment on people, he always pulls his people out. If you think about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, the angel of the Lord, you could say that's pre-incarnate Jesus, you know, came down with Abraham, and Abraham was the one interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? He said, what if there's 50 righteous? Will you still destroy it? What if there's 40? You know, and he, he you know, brought him all the way down, and there still wasn't, there wasn't, wasn't even 10 righteous people in the town, but there was Lot and his family. They were righteous, and what did God do? Did God destroy Lot and his family? He pulled them out. Lot and his family had no idea that was coming. They didn't have a book that said, you know, there's pre, uh, you know, pre um, fire and brimstone rapture. They didn't have anything like that, but God loved them. And before he poured out his judgment on the wicked, he pulled the righteous out. Noah and the flood, his family, right? Uh, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But look at this passage here. In verse number 20, it says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed for behold the lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity the earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain what is that telling us that's just yet another reference that whenever God's judging the earth, whenever God's judging the wicked, he has a special place that he puts the righteous. He's always going to pull the righteous out. He's always going to do that. Now, one thing that you need to know is um, that there's a difference between the tribulation of the world and tribulation that comes from God. Here in this passage, you see clearly that before God destroys something, he's going to pull out the righteous. However... There is tribulation in a fallen world. There's tribulation because we live in a place that has tornadoes and hurricanes. There's tribulation because we live around, you know, people that don't like us. There's tribulation because people persecute us. That's the tribulation of the world. The, tri the tribulation that comes from God is when God's pouring out his judgment. And one of the things that we showed you a couple weeks ago, Daniel 70th week, that is what we're talking about whenever God's pouring out his judgment for those last seven years. 
and he's going to pull out the righteous before that happens. Amen? Okay, so let's get going into this. Uh, Matthew chapter number 24 is, is where we're going to launch from. Matthew chapter number 24 is what we find is, is the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is um, part of what we, I mean, not the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is where we get a lot, a lot of end times straight from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not only there, but also in Revelation, but... Um, we're going to pick it up in verse number 36, just so nobody knows that they should start and set a date. It says in verse number 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Everybody say no man. No man. All right, so nobody knows the day. Of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So many people down throughout history have tried to predict the return of Jesus, right? Tried to predict when everything was going to happen, and every single one of them have failed. You can, you know, it's a collector's item now, but you can find 88 reasons Jesus coming back in 1988 um, at, you know, bookstores. Because every, and it's not just that guy that wrote that book, but Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, I mean, you go down through history, everybody's, everybody has missed uh, the whatever day that Jesus is coming back because no man knows the day. They just guess. So uh, plainly it tells you that right there. But key in on verse number 37, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, one of the things that we know <coughs> is that in the end times, things will be like they were in Noah's day. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and look at how things were in Noah's day. Because one of the things, um, you know, it says that they were they married and were given in marriage. Well, ever that's been going on ever since time. I mean, that being married and given in marriage is no different than any other time. So there's got to be something about Noah's day that sets it apart from the day that Jesus was saying this, right? And we know that it was an increase in wickedness because God did just, I'm done with that, right? So let's look at that. It, and um, it's in uh, Genesis chapter 6. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 6. This is where you, you start getting into places in the Bible where you either believe the Bible or you don't. Once you get into places like this, is you know, it really kind of tests where you are. A lot of times people will, um, you know, you look at a book like Revelation or you look at like Matthew 24 and 25, end times. A lot of times people say, I believe what the Bible says about the future, but yet they have a hard time believing what the Bible says about the past. But if we believe the Bible, we believe the whole thing. Amen. And so, um, this is part of it. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1, it says, It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, interesting comment right here. Sons of God is a, is a, is a description in the Old Testament and it's also found in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, every single reference, every single reference of the sons of God is angels. 
in the New Testament, every single reference of the sons of God are the born-again believers. So it's very interesting seeing how that works out. But let's continue on. So the sons of God, which, you know, context tells us that these are angels. And they saw women, and they had children. Um, it says, the Lord... Um, because of that, look at verse number three. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, there's two different views about the 120 years. Uh, some people say that that's God pronounced judgment on man, saying that from this point forward, nobody's going to live more than 120 years. Um, and you can see different reasons for that because after the flood, the oxygen in the atmosphere drastically dropped. Um, you can look at, uh, you know, ministries like Answers in Genesis. They have great uh, resources on that to show you that. Um, another view of it is that from this point was 120 years till the flood came, um, that God gave Noah 120 years to get it done. Get her done, right? Better hurry up. So there's two different views on that, just showing you that, because uh, I'm just showing you all bases. But look at verse number four. Uh, there were giants in the earth in those days. Well, there you go. So that's what the Bible says. Um, there were giants, and that word is Nephilim, okay? That's, that's where that word comes from. Um, the, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. After what? After the flood, right? So there were giants in those days and also after. So here's something that, well, let's continue on. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in under the daughters of men and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And then God saw that the, the wickedness of man was great in the earth Every imagination of thought was uh, only evil continually. That's when judgment came. So let's think about this. If, if, you're, if we're going to take the Bible literally, and the Bible will tell you when not to take it literally, okay? Um, but if we're going to take this for what it says, then there were at one time giants on the earth. But the Bible also says, and after that there were giants on the earth. So uh, that would lend to believe that after the flood there were giants. So there were no giants on the ark. So how do we get giants before the flood and after the flood? That's a good question to ask, right? So how do we, if, if we take the Bible for what it says, how do giants come into existence? Angels coming down and getting with women. So that would make us believe that they did the same, they did it before and they did it after. So the angels came down twice at least. Um, and they probably come down a lot more. How many of y'all know that um, over in the New Testament in Hebrews, it says um, that we may entertain angels unawares. So there's times in our life when we may be talking to somebody and it's an angel and we don't even realize it because you know, they have a spiritual body, and it looks like a natural body, but it's a spiritual body. Um, so how is that? Well, you know, and, and sometimes people think, well, you know, Jesus said that in heaven the angels are not 
you know, they're not given in marriage in heaven, but that's in heaven, not here. See, heaven is spiritual. This is a physical, and whenever they come here, you see them physically. That's why the Bible said that sometimes you, you might entertain them unawares. So one of the things that we, we want to look at in this is that um, there's a couple of different avenues that we're going to travel on this. So there's two different there's two different people groups that we're going to look at tonight. Number one, we're going to look at these angels that came down into the women. That's one group of people, right? And then the second group are when the, when the angels came down into the women, they produced an offspring. So there's two different groups that you want to look at when you're going into this area. Number one group is what we're going to call fallen angels or naughty angels, however you want to say it bad angels. We're going to look at their, them, then their offspring, which are the giants. So one of the things that, um, you know, in order to get from here to there, let's look over in Second uh, Peter chapter 2. So let's go from here to Second Peter chapter number 2. So it's all the way almost at the back. We almost went front to back. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. So Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. You ready? All right, let's read. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved under judgment, and spare not the old world to save Noah, uh, the eighth person, preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So let's stop right there. The, the word hell right there is it, um, the, the definition of that word is Tartarus. That's one of the only places you're going to see that word. This uh, means the lowest part of hell. So the angels that sinned, God bound to the lowest part of hell. And that's, that word is called Tartarus. Um, no, nobody else, you know, has been there that we know of from what the Bible tells us. Um, so the, the, imp, the implication is that these angels came down to the earth <clears throat> and had relations with women, and God judged them for it. And when they did, God sent them and bound them into Tartarus, okay? So there are a couple of questions that you may have is, well, why were angels coming to the earth? Why were angels coming to the earth? Does anybody want to take a stab at that? Yeah, uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, his, historians. How many of y'all heard of Josephus? Josephus he verified a lot of what we know about Jesus. He actually um, he was a slave to the Romans right after and during the time of Jesus, and he corroborated. Um, the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's how we have a lot of what we know to be true. Um, but one of the things that he wrote, he was a historian of the Jews. Um, but he writes a lot of this kind of stuff. One of the things that you got to think of is this. Moses wrote the Torah, Genesis, right, all the way through. Well, what did they have before Moses? What did, what did Adam have? What did... Abel have, what did Seth have, 
What did Methuselah have? What did Noah have? What did Abraham have? Isaac, Jacob, what did they have? And so the thought that some of these Jewish um, historians say is that instead of having a Bible, the angels would come down and tell them about God and tell them what to do. That's how they knew, you know, where to go bring a sacrifice, what to do, that kind of thing. Um, they were teachers. They were teachers of God. And so if you kind of think about it, and this is not biblical, this is just us thinking, if, if God sent angels who are the, the definition of an angel is a messenger. If God sent messengers to the earth to tell them about him, right, but instead of preaching about God, they got with the women because they saw that the women were beautiful, that would anger God. That would anger God, right? And so God put them in the lowest part of hell. So the part that we do know is that they came into the women and they had children and that God put them in the lowest part of hell. That part we do know. So one of the common misconceptions that we have is that uh, demons are fallen angels. But the Bible says right there, they're in hell. So do they get to escape? Not yet. So we're going to get into this. So it's kind of interesting, make you think, right? Um, now, let's look at... Well, let's look at one more passage. Just go uh, about one more page over to Jude. Um, go to Jude, verse number. Uh, probably got a few more, a few more pages, maybe three or four. Um, look at verse number six. Jude, verse number six. Reading, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Now, based on that, do you really think that the fallen angels are getting out and coming up to torment us? It says that they're reserved in chains, everlasting, <laughs> till judgment. It's pretty cut and dry. So one of, the, one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is that fallen angels are demons. So... One of the problems that we have is where do demons come from then? If they're not fallen angels, what are they, right? What are they? Anybody? All right. So one of the things that we're going to cover also is the offspring. So the offspring of these fallen angels and the daughters of men are what we call giants. So there were giants before the flood. And the Bible says, remember in Genesis 6, 4, it says, and also after that, there were giants in the land. So, and how many of y'all heard of David and Goliath? Yeah, Goliath was what? A giant. Y'all remember where he was from? Gath. He was from Gath. How many of y'all know where Gath is? Gath is in the region of Mount Hermon. How many of y'all heard of Mount Hermon? That's, that was where most people believe the Mount of Transfiguration was. It's also um, right under Caesarea Philippi. Yeah, who, who, who remembers what was famous at Caesarea Philippi? Whenever Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am, right? And, and Peter said, you're Christ, right? 
And he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then what did he say? And the, yeah, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, great. All of that takes place at Mount Hermon, which is Gath, which is where Goliath's from. Now, one of the things that if you look in a map um, on this region, um, hell, there's three different types of hell in the Bible. The Bible translates three different things as hell. You have Tartarus, which we just taught on. Then you have Gehenna. Then you have Hades, right? Those three um, are, are um, what we know as hell. Well, one of the, one of the places in in the Bible that was called hell was right there at Mount Hermon. There was a cave with a gate on it, and they believed that there were evil spirits in it, and they called it Hades. They called it Hades. And whenever Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, they were standing right there at that place. So that's one of the interesting things and why you have maps in your Bible. Um, but Mount Hermon is very important because that's where um, Goliath's from. And this is going to tie in a little bit deeper later on. So I need you to remember Gath, Mount Hermon, okay, because it's going to play into where we're going to go. Um, so let's look at a couple of things um, about the giants. Let's look at a couple of things about them. Um, let's look at Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now, one of the things about them, um, as, as you're flipping over there, that I'll tell you is most people have a problem with that. They think, oh, it's folklore. The Bible embellished a little bit on that. They were just, they mean giants kind of like, you know, um, you're a, you know, you're a giant of a person. You know, you're a good person. No, because the Bible actually tells you how tall they were, right? tells you how how long uh, Goliath's spear was, how big his shield was. Um, his shield was actually just about as tall as a normal person was. Um, he Generally, most people, by the way that they count it, would have stood somewhere between 12 to 18 feet tall. Um, you know, foot would have been almost three feet long. Big guy. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're going to look into um, about Goliath is that in, in that day, in David's time, there were only five giants left. There were only five giants left. The, um, there was Goliath and his four brothers. After that, you never hear about any more. So one of the things that I want to, uh, just kind of get you thinking on is the fact that there's no giants before Genesis 6. Then there's a lot of giants, evidently. And then you have the flood, and then you have some after that, but it's not too many. Um, all throughout, if you look in, you know, places like Numbers and 1 Samuel, you're going to see a lot of giants. You're going uh, You're going to see like, um, Og of Bashan and um, the Amorites and all these kinds of different ites, a lot of them had giants in them. And most of the time, whenever you saw a giant, they were the king of the land. And if you kind of think about it, they probably would be. 
if you think about what Goliath did, whenever Goliath was, you know, shouting down Israel, what he said went. He said, all right, y'all, one of y'all come fight me. If you win, y'all get all of us. I mean, he must have been the king of Philistia because he was there with the Philistines. So let's look at, look at a couple of uh, um, things over here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Um, verse number 4, it said, There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Six cubits and a span. So that's where you get, depending on what you call a span is, um, most people say between 12 and 18 feet tall, somewhere in there. The reason I say that is because there's disagreement. Um, But it always is in that range, between 12 and 18 feet tall. Um, Let's see. Look. Let's go to verse number 23, uh, talking about David. It says, um, well, verse 22, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran into the army, came and saluted his brethren, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So we either believe the Bible or we don't. And here, you know, you see that this is after the flood, and you see this giant of a man, and he strikes fear. So, you know, when the Bible says sore afraid, it's very afraid. Um, That's you know, that kind of fear leaves an impression on you. So he was evidently so large that it struck fear in the core of these guys. Everybody except for David. Um, David um, saw that this guy was defying his God. David didn't have any, David could care less how tall he was. He was more concerned about this guy defied God. And so you know, one of the things that I just wanted to show you is just, you know, clearly you see that there's a giant in the land after the flood. Um, and from what we see in the Bible at this time, if you go and you just kind of look through more references, you're going to see that there were five giants in the land. Most people say, you know, whenever David went down to the brook, he got five stones. It wasn't because he wasn't, he wasn't going to miss. It's because it's Goliath had four brothers. And so he had a stone for each brother. But um, after, after he kills Goliath, he actually ends up and go, goes and does something different. How many of y'all remember what he does after he kills Goliath? Cut off his head with his own sword. What did he do with his head? Took it to Jerusalem. Took it to Jerusalem. Think about this. Where was Jesus crucified? Jerusalem. At what? At Calvary, Golgotha, Golgotha, Goliath of Gath, Golgotha. It says Golgotha, the place of the skull. So David takes Goliath's head, it says, to Jerusalem. And that's where we get the name Golgotha, Goliath of Gath, Golgotha. And that's why the Bible says Golgotha is the place of the skull. So he put Goliath's head on display 
So one of the things that you want to know about these five giants, now we're down to four, is that they all lived around this region. They all lived around Mount Hermon, and then down to the south of Jerusalem is where we get the other word of hell, which is called Gehenna, uh, the Valley of Gehenna. Um, that's uh, where they would sacrifice children to Molech, Molech, which that's a totally different deal because all of that comes into the same deal. Um, but these four brothers were all around Jerusalem. So how would you like it if, you know, you saw your brother's head in the center of that town, right? So it, it sent a message to everybody. One of the things that um, you'll also see is that there were, how many of y'all, uh, you look at, you know, passages in the New Testament, and Jesus is always dealing with evil spirits. Always dealing with evil spirits. But before Jesus, how many times do you see evil spirits dealt with before Jesus? Well, you see David, right? David dealt with an evil spirit. Whenever Saul, you know, was having problems, David would play his harp, Right? But before that, how many evil spirits do you see? Not too many, right? Here's, here is a non-biblical, uh, hypothetical um, guess, opinion, is that when these giants that were created that weren't supposed to be came into existence, they had a physical body. Goliath had a physical body, right? Now, when we die, we go to either heaven or hell, right? Well, what about these giants? They're spirits. They don't have a soul. So where would they don't have a place to go? Most people believe that demons are dead giants. That that's where because fallen angels are locked in Tartarus. So these dead giants have no place to go. And that's where, you know, you never see evil spirits up until the time that giants are dying. And then you see an increase of it, right? And then you don't see any more giants anymore because you don't see. Now, once, uh, once you have um, Moses writing the Torah, God doesn't send messengers down anymore to teach people the truth. So you never see the angels come down and you never see that anymore. So that is where most people uh, come from on that. And I wanted to point that out for a reason. I wanted to point that out for a reason because uh, Goliath is from Gath and I told you that that is where Mount Hermon is. Um, one of the things that was recently in the news, President Trump recognized Israel's right to own what? The Golan Heights, the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is north of Jerusalem, northern Israel, Mount Hermon, Gath. So the place that was just in the news, and it's important strategically because you have, you know, Syria and different places right there. Strategically, it's very necessary, but we've never recognized that that actually belongs to Israel. Well, here's what's important about it. Here's what's important about it. Um, the Golan Heights is where Goliath was from. The Golan Heights is where most people believe the Mount of Transfiguration was. 
It's where Peter uh, got the revelation that Jesus was God's son. It's where Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. And, that's, and that is also where the, there was a, a, like a cave that people believed was Hades and where evil spirits came out of. So all around um, the Golan Heights or Gath is where you see all these giants coming about. So why is it? Why is it that they're all around that region? Well, the Bible really doesn't tell us. So, um, you know, the only thing we, we can go off of is people like Josephus, um, you know, that was a Jewish historian. Then you can look at non-biblical things like the book of Enoch or some of those kind of things. Those are not biblical at all. Um, however, the book of Enoch is quoted in Jude. How many of y'all seen that before? Um, Enoch is quoted by Jude because um, he says Enoch prophesied and, and he gave the prophecy and that's in the book of Enoch. Um, but one of the things that um, the book of Enoch says is that the, the angels, when they came down, um, they came down to Mount Hermon. That's where they came down at. So that would make sense that that's where the giants came out of because that's where the angels came down at. Um, interesting thing. How many of y'all, uh, let me show you something over in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter number 12. And look at verse, let's see. Look at verse number one. It says, uh, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, upon her feet, a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns on his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast down to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, a lot of things right here. This is the only reference we have biblically that a third of the angels fell. How many of y'all heard that before? That's the only biblical reference that we have that one-third of the angels fell. Most people believe that to be past tense. Some people believe that's a future tense. Um, it could be both. It could, be, um, it, we, it could reference something that's going to happen during the tribulation time, during the apocalypse. But... Uh, like I was saying earlier about the book of Enoch, um, it says that one-third of the angels, when they fell, they fell at Mount Hermon. The interesting thing about Mount Hermon, um, which is Gath, which is where Goliath was from, is um, back whenever they first devised longitude and latitude, Mount Hermon was 33.33 degrees. Um when they first devised longitude and latitude, the prime meridian ran through Paris, France. You know what that's called now? The devil's prime meridian. They moved it from there to Greenwich. So now it's a little bit off. Um, but whenever they first devised it, Mount Hermon was at 33.33, and then we see that a third of the angels fell. And then, like I said, the book of Enoch says that it was a third of them that fell on Mount Hermon, or right at its base. 
Um, so you kind of put all that together, you kind of get more insight. You see, um, one of the other things I was going to tell you, uh, one of the early church writers, church fathers, his name was Justin Martyr. This is um, about the 200s. Um, he actually was quoted, and he said that the giants became demons. Uh, the giants became demons is what he said. Um, so you kind of put all that together, all the early church writings. You know, you could go through all kinds of um, quotes on that, and, and you should look it up, but it is it just kind of paints this picture about what happened. Well, one of the things that I want to show you here is that the Bible there in verse number 4 says that the, the dragon... Um, he drew all these stars down, right? These stars. And then it says that he came to where the woman was giving birth because he wanted to, he wanted to, you know, get the baby, right? He wanted to get the baby. Well, the dragon, we know, how many of y'all know who the dragon is referring to? The devil. Yeah, Satan, Lucifer. Okay, he's the great dragon. And so... Most people say, you know, that this is the devil, the stars, our angels, and we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But first, I want to take you to a passage that you've known, but I want to show you why he's waiting on this child. And to do that, let's go back to the beginning, Genesis 3, Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> So in Genesis 3, we have a prophetic word, a judgment pronounced from God to Adam, Eve, and the devil. They all get a judgment. And look in verse uh, number 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, now, y'all know this is after the eating of the fruit, right? Forbidden fruit. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go. Dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Most Y'all remember that, right? But look at this part. Between thy seed and and her seed, thy seed, thy seed. The devil has seed. That means the devil has offspring. Most people don't catch that when you read it the first time. You never catch that. But there is a seed. It says between thy seed and her seed. Now, we all know what her seed is. Her seed comes down to Jesus. Because listen. The seed is in the man, not the woman. Right? But Mary was the virgin. And so it's different with her. And so that's, it's directly talking about that. She, most people believe, she thought that, you know, either Cain or Abel or Seth was going to be the Messiah. That, that was her seed. I mean, you can't blame her for that, her seed, right? She had no idea it was going to go on and on and on and on. Oh, by the way, um, I told you earlier about Genesis 6, uh, whenever God said 120 years, you know, for man. The other, there is a third, third interpretation on that. Jubilee years, 70 years for Jubilee years. 
Well, if you multiply, because you know God speaks prophetically, right? Well, if you take 120, 70 Jubilee years, you get 6,000 years. And so God's saying, could be that God's saying man's only going to live 120 years, 120 years till the flood, or you've got 6,000 years and then I'm going to redo everything. It could be all three. Could be all three. Because God's not a man. He's not one track, right? He can do a lot of things. You get one prophecy from God, and he can partially fulfill and then doubly fulfill. It's just all kinds of things like that. Um, okay, so one of the things I wanted you to see is, is, is this. It says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So there's a back and forth between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. There's a back and forth between them. Um, and most people don't, you know, where is that? Where, how do we get there? How, you know, what is the seed of the serpent? Well, there you can get in some really wild theories about that. Some people um, get, you know, um, his seed is people that I don't like, you know. Um, so, you know, you some people get really racial, you know. His seed is, you know, this color of people. Um, I've seen people, it's as weird as it is, I've seen people say, you know, um, his seed are Democrats or globalists, you know. People get really weird with that, but it's none of that stuff, okay? It's none of that. His seed, I believe, is where you get these uh, giants and demons from. Fallen angels, giants, demons. Um, most people would have no problem with anybody saying that demons are the product of the devil. Right? That they, the devil and his minions, the devil and his demons, you know, that kind of thing. Well, most, most people believe that his seed would be the demons, the demonic, um, and that that's where that comes from. So that's why... You know, you have over there in Revelation 12, whenever it says the dragon is tail and a third of the stars fall, right? That's his seed. He's scattering his seed into the earth. Now, there's there's a, a couple of things that I, I would, you know, uh, say about that is, um, but just for the sake of time, let, let me take you to a few places in Revelation so we can get kind of to the point of this. Um, let's go over to... Revelation chapter, uh, let's start with chapter number one. Revelation chapter number one. Now, one of the things, just for the sake of time, um, I'll just give you the reference. In Matthew 24 and 29, um, the Bible says that in, in the tribulation that the stars are going to fall, right? Stars are going to fall. How many of y'all? Uh, Matthew 24, 29, and there's a lot, plethora of other passages saying that. Uh, uh, Mark 13, Revelation 6, stars are going to fall. Well, how many of y'all know science tells us that stars are these big, huge things, probably bigger than the earth, right? Well, if they fall, it's going to create massive issues, <laughs> massive issues. But I showed you just a while ago where the dragon and his tail, he takes the third of the stars, right, and he casts them to earth. Y'all remember that? If a third of the stars, which are bigger than the earth, most of them is what they say, if a third 
if one-third of what you see in the sky comes to the earth, there'd be no more earth, right? So it's obviously talking about angels, obviously talking about angels. And I'm just going to drive home that point just here in verse number 9, Revelation uh, chapter 1, 19, Revelation 1, 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, the things which shall be hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars uh, which thou sawest in my right hand, the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So stars are angels, candlesticks are churches, according to what Jesus says here. So now, whenever the Bible says stars, sometimes it is stars, but sometimes it is angels. You got to use the context of the verse to know the difference. Context is very important whenever you're getting into something like this. Uh, a couple of more passages, and then we're going to uh, talk about something else. Go to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 10. It says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood because many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So there's a, a, a star, but it's called Wormwood. Now, most people believe that that is, you know, an angel, right? Wormwood. Um, and there's some significance in that. Go one, one uh, over to chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit. Now, the bottomless pit is a reference to Tartarus and that uh, where the fallen angels are. So here in Revelation 9-1, you see a, a what falling? A star coming to the earth. But the star is called a hymn, and he is given a key to the bottomless pit. And he unlocks it and unleashes all kinds of chaos afterwards. So... Like I said, stars and angels are synonymous. So when, and, and, and at this point, I'm going to kind of wind it down, and we're going to just kind of transition into just talking, okay? Um, because like I said earlier, some of the things are non-biblical. And so, um, but one of the things that, you know, we need to be made aware of is that, you know, when you look up in the sky, you see stars. They may not be physical stars. It could be angels. could be. Um, sometimes people say that, you know, the, the, um, the stars that you see are, you know, angels. Um, you know, there's a lot of references in the Bible for that, um, especially if you go and look in Genesis chapter 1. Um, God puts, you know, everything in motion and uh, they have a circuit to go on. Um, well, one of the things that I was asked to study, and I kind of went a long ways about on doing it, but I wanted to lay a kind of a groundwork because how many of you know it's kind of this, this, you don't get this kind of teaching all the time. This is kind of, you know, it's, it's not common. 
you might get this kind of teaching once in your life if you're, you know. Um, but because uh, it's kind of out there. However, we live in this kind of time. <laughs> we live in this kind of a time. Um, well, there are a lot of things going on right now um, prophetically, a lot of end times kind of things going on. And what I was asked to study or to teach on was uh, what is called Planet X. How many of y'all heard of that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's that there's a X means 10th, that there's a 10th planet in our solar system and that it only comes every like six to 10,000 years and this is the year or this is the time it's about to come again. And when it does, it, it you know, causes you know, um, hurricanes and earthquakes and it changes everything and that on that planet were either angels, demons, or aliens, which we know we've covered aliens before. We know that aliens are demons. So whatever it is and that they come. And so the, the, the teaching on it, best I, best I have studied, is the teaching on it is that um, what the occult world teaches is that six to 10,000 years ago, this planet was here and it came and uh, either started the people here or um, this is where you get the fallen angels that came down into the men, I mean into the women, <laughs> not into the men. Um, that that's where that first tr started happening. Um, I will tell you this, that uh, you may or may not have read this, uh, but how many of y'all saw that the North Pole shifted? How, did y'all see how far it shifted? Yeah, it's actually moving. It's almost in Siberia right now. So Santa moved. Um, but the... <laughs> Yeah, a little comedy early. But but it really did. Like the true north is not where it used to be. It shifted majorly this year or in, within the last 12 months. It's shifted majorly. Now it's it's uh almost in Siberia. So a lot of those in the magnetic field, the man, the magnetic uh field of the earth is changing. And what these people are saying is that this hidden planet is getting closer and it's changing the magnetic structure of the earth well why aren't we seeing it well it's either spiritual and you can't see it or what these because this is where you get into some out there kind of thinking is that um everybody's hiding it from you you know uh, i have seen where um a uh, map of space where the blip where it would be was like whited out. I have seen that on there, but I mean, who knows? Because, you know, some people don't believe we ever went to the moon. Um, some people, one of the things I will tell you about it is that ev everybody that, that says that they've gone to the moon was a Mason, um, which is kind of strange um, the more you get into that. Uh, NASA. Uh, the name NASA is Hebrew for serpent. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but the name NASA means serpent in Hebrew, and serpent is, you know. 
uh, a cult for the devil. So there's a lot of different things at play. Uh, some things may not be as they seem, um, and it could be nothing. It could, you know, this whole Planet X thing could be like the 2012 Mayan, uh, what was it? End of the world or flood, whatever it was in 2012, or it could be like the Y2K thing, or it could be that, you know, there is actually something there. Um, but I did hear that, uh, the people that claim that, that that it's here or close is that it's over the Golan Heights, which is kind of strange because that's where a lot of ancient Jewish history says that that's where the angels fell to. That's where they landed at. Um, and also one other trivia that you might want to just think about on top of Mount Hermon, which is Golan Heights, which is where Gath is from, which is where Jewish historians say that angels fell, on top of it, the UN has built the United Nations, has built a little base with a big, huge telescope thing. So, you know, for what it's worth, why? You know, I guess because it's a mountain, so you can see better. But um, most, most of the time, there's a little bit more to the story than you think. Um, whenever you see where a, tele, a great huge telescope is, there's, it's more than just a physical location. Um, that Mount Hermon has a deep spiritual connection. If, I mean, we've just talked about all of it. Um, there's another one in, uh, is it Nevada or Arizona? I think it's Arizona. Um, the Lucifer uh, satellite is there. It was a, what is it? Telescope. That, yeah, I said satellite. Yeah, it's, it's not a satellite. It's a telescope. Um, but it's called Lucifer is its name. It's owned by the Vatican. Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about this Lucifer telescope. The mountain that it's on is not higher than any other mountain. It's not anything strategic like that. However, the Indians that own the mountain, they it, it caused a huge uproar with them whenever the Vatican tried to buy it and put this telescope there because they believe that it's a high spiritual place, meaning whenever they connect with the spirit of the world. And how many of y'all know that sometimes Indians are all right and sometimes they have some wacky beliefs, the peyote or whatever is kind of out Well. They, they do this connect with the earth spirit thing. And that mountain is where their high spiritual mountain was. That was their high, sp you know, in the Bible, the high, high places. Okay. Uh, so there was a, it was a big uproar there, but they went ahead. So why am I telling you that? Because for some reason, whenever they're looking up into the stars, they're, they're putting these telescopes strategically on places that ancient civilizations and cultures knew to be very significant spiritually. So, um, you know, it's just something to think about. Um, there's, you know, a lot more to it, and I'm going to just kind of wind down, and I know that this was a lot to unload on you, um, but it's interesting. It's fun. There's way more to it. I would encourage you, to go back in your Bible and look up the word giant. Um, get 
you know, some kind of software, look up the word giant and look, look at everything. It's, it, it, there's more in there than you think. Way more in there. Way more than I covered. Um, almost, you know, whenever you see Philistines, almost every king they had was referred to as a giant. Um, the Amorites, uh, here's something else. Whenever uh, Joshua and Caleb, we just talked about this last Sunday, right? Remember when they go to the land and they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight? They're like giants? Maybe they really were. You know, one of the references that you'll see about Joshua is they found, I think it was four or five giants all in one cave, and Joshua had them put stones in front of it so that they couldn't get out. I mean, that's in the Bible. So, you know, look, there's so much more about giants in there than we've thought, uh, or maybe not that we've thought than we knew, but there's a lot. And uh, there's, you know, probably more questions than answers. Um, and, you know, that's the way God did it. God told us what he wanted us to know. Um, but it is a lot to think about. And when you put things together, you can kind of start seeing, you know, a lot of it take shape. Um, one other thing that I will tell you, um, since we're on the topic and we're closing, um, one, one uh, guy that I read, he said this. <clears throat> he said that um, whenever the fallen angels went in under the women and they made these giants, um, men of renown, tall guys. So here's one one thing is that, you know, they were kind of like, that's where mythology gets the hybrid. How many of y'all know what mythology is? Um, that's where you get like a horse man or a fish man or you get Hercules or people like that. That That's where that kind of thing came from. And that it, you know, that Satan had enmity with the seed of the woman. His whole goal was to destroy the seed of man. And some, uh, this one teacher I read, he said that, um, that what he thinks is that the devil was, was, you know, getting all the, these fallen angels to go into the women to corrupt the seed. So there'd be no pure seed. And by the time of Genesis six, there was so much of it going on. So much of the inner breeding going on. The only pure human seed left was Noah and his family. And that, that's why they were saved. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of good teachings out there on it. A um, lot, of, lot of stuff to consider. Uh, but that's where you get um, a lot of this uh, kind of teaching from. Does anybody have any questions or insight or comments about anything? Yeah. Yeah, I've, and, and, you know, that's, I've heard that. I've seen that, too. Um, because one of the things that we're told in the Torah is, you know, not to, you know, man shall not lie with man, but also not with beast. Um, and I have seen that there were references where the fallen angels went to the animals and did all this kind of, that's where you get the half horse, half man. How many of y'all remember Dagon, Dagon, Samuel? Uh, remember the Ark of the Covenant and Dagon and the Philistines worship Dagon and Ark of the Covenant goes into the temple of Dagon and the statue falls. Well, Dagon was a fish man. That's what he was. He was a fish man. Um, and the priest, they have pictures, well, what they think the priest wore, it was like um, a fish suit and the mouth 
went up at the head. So it made like a cone-looking hat that they wore. <laughs> but he was the fish man, and so it would lend that. And I have seen, too, that, um, that I have seen one theory that that's where dinosaurs came from, which the Bible calls dinosaurs dragons, by the way. But um, is that, you know, you take like a lizard and a, and a giant that's half angel, and it makes a big, huge, you know, dinosaur thing. Um, I've seen that that theory before too, um, but there's we won't we won't know, we won't know, you know, and I don't think it'll probably even matter whenever we get to heaven. However, it might because you see in Revelation that all these fallen angels are going to be coming back up out of that bottomless pit. And you see, you know, demons, you know, you're going to see an increase in demons and fallen angels and things like that during the tribulation time, which hopefully our view is going to be from heaven looking down on it. But that's going to be a time whenever the Bible says people are going to want to die but can't. So, amen. Anybody else? Oh, I didn't. Um, it says six spans or cubits. Yeah, um, you you have um, most teachers, uh, whenever they consider how big it is, say between 12 and 18 feet. I have seen nine feet before, but most of them say between 12 and 18. But the, the, the disagreement is on how big of a cubit was. It's kind of like the arc, like most people you know, disagree with what a span is. Because um, some people say from the fing- from the middle finger to the elbow. Some people say from the palm to the elbow. Um, some people, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some, um, one of the things that I've seen about it is that it, it varied depending on who was measuring it. So, that's something I've seen too. Yeah, yeah, eight feet and over. It would be, <laughs> it would be. Um, the the other uh, the other part of it is uh, like the, I think the weight of his shield and spear is noted in there, and yeah, and and um. I think it was uh, Chuck Missler or one of those teachers like that calculated up how if, you know, rather than the cubit rather or the span, they did the armor. And if the armor was that big, how big he would have had to be. So that's kind of like reverse engineering because um, you can get the weight a lot easier than you can the height because there's so much disagreement on the, on the length thing. Um, so anyways, anybody else? Yeah. 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 Yet, um, that it is, there's a, there's more to it than we think. Um, and I would, you know, if you want to look at it more, Look at the sons of God in the Old Testament and then look at the sons of God, that phrase, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, I think there's five references. In the New Testament, 
There might be six, five or six. Um, the Old Testament, you're going to get three of them in Job. Job, um, the sons of God came, you know, before God with Lucifer, and that's whenever, you know, and so you're going to get a lot of that, and it's a reference to angels. Um, three times there, then you have this one. Um, but all of the sons of God references in the New Testament are all strictly talking about us, about born-again believers. So there's a difference. And, and so there's a group called the sons of God before Calvary and then a different one after, which, you know, would be like reversing the curse, you know, because if you think about in the Old Testament sons of God being, you know, how they were. So a lot to it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the that's another theory is that the sons of God would be the sons of Seth and the daughters of men would be the daughters of Cain. But from that most most historians don't say that because that wouldn't be you wouldn't be crossbreeding. If you said that well I'll tell you why um cuz some people have said this before too is that Cain was not the result of Adam and Eve, but of Eve and the serpent. So that gets into that whole thing. And that's what that's called is serpent seed doctrine. Um, is, you know, whenever God said uh, between your seed and her seed, that he's talking about between Cain and Abel, that they were half-brothers, not full brothers. And so that kind of goes even in a different direction um but it's kind of the same direction so yep have y'all heard that before you have yeah all right well praise the lord well how was that (laughs) too short short. (laughs) um but there's a lot in it i encourage you to uh you know study it 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 actually is interesting that the to me, the part that's interesting is just looking at all the different references about the giants. And, um, you know, one of the things, it's like um, you've, I've seen it, but, you know, when you study it, you kind of put it together more. But like it says that, um, you know, David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem, you know, and that that's where, you know, that's where we get the name Golgotha from. And um, and that's why it's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. It's just that kind of stuff is pretty powerful. To think that, you know, you were talking about reversing the curse, that he shed his blood on top of the place of the skull where Goliath's head would have been. And if he would have been an intermixed fallen entity, that would make sense, you know. There's more going on than we think, you know. We only know what God's told us, so... It's kind of like, have you ever heard that uh, phrase, stay in your lane? We we only know what the Bible says, but there's probably, Jesus was probably doing way more than we could ever imagine. You know, on, you know I, I, I don't know about you, but I think every detail from the day he was born to probably even the clothes he wore was pre-planned and had a purpose. I think everything he ever did, you know, like... Whenever uh, after his resurrection, it says that he um, ate uh, fish 
broiled fish and honeycomb, right? There's significance in that. I, I mean, what is it? Oh, but you know there's got to be a powerful significance in it. Why the fish? Why the honeycomb? Why broiled? You know, there's, there's something there. It wasn't just he just ate whatever. I believe everything he did was appointed, you know, and for a purpose. Um, but like I said, we only can, we only know what the Bible says, so we stay in that lane. <laughs> so anyways, all right. Well, praise the Lord. No other questions or comments? Um, the one thing that I, I do want to say in closing is this, whenever you're talking about, um, things like Planet X or like giants or anything like that. One thing I wanted to want you to know is that a lot of times when you get into things like that, it can produce fear. Um, but fear doesn't come from God, right? God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And perfect love cast out what? All fear. Perfect love comes from knowing that you belong to God, okay? Knowing that God loves you. And so when you get into an area and you feel like I'm not comfortable with this or it's taking me to a place I don't want to go, take that as the Holy Spirit telling you to drop it. That's what I would just say. The Holy Spirit says, drop it, drop it. If the Holy Spirit says, you know, keep studying on it, keep studying on it. But follow follow the Holy Spirit because he's going to lead you in peace. Amen. He's going to lead you in peace. And, um, and so that's what I would stay with. Perfect love cast out all fear. That's right. Amen. Amen. Um, so next week we're going to get into Easter. Passover, um, we're going to get into the Passion Week, the timing of it. Um, how many of y'all know there's a lot of dispute about, like, how many days and nights Jesus was actually in the tomb? Um, was it Good Friday? Was it Thursday? Was it Wednesday? How does all that work out? We're going to go through all of that. Um, we're going to get into all of that. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to get into why the word Easter is in the Bible. Uh, we're going to get into why the word Passover is in the Bible. Uh, where they come from, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So it'll be fun. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up, and we're going to close with a word of prayer.